I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Hi, Debbie. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Tommy. So we have a great topic today, but I just want, before we started, I just wanted to say this topic, if I was a listener five years ago and I was looking at all the different types of podcasts you could listen to, the different subjects, the different episodes, I would not choose this one. (laughs) Today, I would choose this one. So we'll surprise you in a minute because Tommy's more surprised about where my head is at the moment. (laughs) Well, you are in what I call my room at Villa Reniella, which features a magnificent photographic portrait of Sophia Loren. But from my view right now, looking at you, it looks like you're nestled into Sophia Loren's bosom. I am. I <laughs> because am. your head is right there. I know. Well, I, well, I'm trying to get, there's a storm outside. So I thought this was the safest room uh, to keep the Wi-Fi going. But um, yeah, it's, it's an oversized portrait of when she was 15 with very large bosoms. And my head is stuck between the cleavage at the moment. So Tommy's getting quite excited. <laughs> I wish that our listeners could see what I see because it's quite the image. Now, before we get started, I want to share with our listeners uh, a couple of amazing and very, like, we're so grateful to get these from you, um, amazing reviews. We have been getting so much feedback on the podcast. All of our listeners from and viewers from our Instagram Live seem to have moved over to this platform with us, which we're so grateful for. One person wrote in, trust me, I'm an avid listener. Oh, little sort of tie into our the name of our podcast. I love these podcasts. They are every bit as fun and informative as the Instagram lives were. Although now we are sure to never mistakenly see hands in his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's another story for another another day. And this person goes on to say, which I missed that Sunday because I was helping my friend Mary move out of her apartment in New York City and back to Toronto. (laughs) So... Oh, that's nice. Well, actually, I I got one. They're coming in in different platforms, but I got one this morning from somebody in Provence because Anya's uh, garden fairy talking about uh, free gardening, really, you know, not spending money on gardens and how to propagate and stuff. Because I think the scary thing about gardening is that you might be in different parts of the world. So you go, well, that's not good for me. So I've got one woman wrote in Saskatchewan and one room, woman wrote in the sun in Provence in the south of France. So it's kind of interesting. Amazing. Everybody's trying it and getting some tips. We've got another one. Oh. First year podcast. That's it. I'm hooked. I'll be listening to you all the time. You give me my beautiful quiet time with myself at this after dinner hour and it's just perfect. Oh. Which I love reading because that's the whole point of this. We started these conversations on Instagram live and then move them to the podcast because we wanted people to feel a bit of joy in their daily life and a bit of a happy, fun conversation between the two of us that shared with the rest of the world about things that interest us and bring us joy. So I love that sort of quiet moment review. And then another one that says, the podcast transports me to Tuscany. Love listening to Debbie and Tommy. They have a way of transporting me to Tuscany after listening to the podcast with Francis Mays. I ordered the pasta book. And the shopping tips also inspired me for my next trip to Italy to shop more. Please subscribe and review so more people can find us. And I think that's amazing. That's fantastic. You know, like, Thank you, everybody. And keep them coming. You know, nothing Tommy and I like better than a good old back rub. Um, but um, so today, <laughs> like I just said, if if I'd have seen this subject matter, I would not have listened five years ago. Yeah. But uh-huh. um, in 2021, out of the blue, we got a border collie puppy. It just mm-hmm. makes me cry so much. Um, 
And it changed our lives. It really changed our lives. But he was killed. He was killed at 14 months by a, mm -hmm. a lorry, a truck. Um, but we have another yeah. one. Six months later, we bit the bullet and we have a little boy called Billy. Yeah. And if I was listening to me now, five years ago, I would say, you pathetic woman, you pathetic creature. <laughs> Because I had no comprehension at all about what pets mean to people. I mean, I did all the childhood pets, like we had a turtle, a mouse, we had all that stuff, but that's just keeping your kids occupied for a very short time. But, but yeah. having a, something like a dog, um, you know, is very different. Now, I'm not advocating everybody should do it because I really do think you need to do your homework. Um, but Tommy, have you ever had a pet? Many pets. And I will tell you, the subject matter of pets is so fascinating to me because I think that one of the things that we're all trying to do in living our lives as human beings on this planet is find a place to put our love and also find a way to receive love. And there's something so pure about the love that you give and receive from a pet that, you know, for me, I was very lucky because I grew up in a family with pets. We always had them. And I can actually name every pet that I've ever had from when I was born until now. We had Bo, Then we had Duke, we had Kitty the cat, we had Shannon, who was an Irish setter. Um, I had Zen, the Rottweiler, and Scout, the black cat, and wow. Peach, who was another little cat that was really my sister's, but that I lived with. Then there was Duke and Doris, my two boxers, and Ruby, my black lab. And anybody who follows me on Instagram knew that that was sort of my last, Ruby was my last relationship with a pet because after she died, I thought I can't go through this again until I'm old enough that I will go first before, <laughs> before my pet. So when I estimate that I'm about 14 years from, from the end, then maybe I'll get another dog. But it was, you know, my life has been filled with the joy of loving and being loved by animals. I did quite a bit of research on it and you know, you can go, it's not a subject that you can kind of force people into because you do have no. to think it through. And, you know, the, but there's a lot of positive stuff. But I think, you know, I, I had not a lot of dogs, but when I was young, but when my children were young, I did not have, apart from the odd turtle, which was enough work and, and a goldfish um, yeah. and a mouse, um, and we didn't have a dog because, you know, you, you, you're raising children And, and my children were raised in Montreal in a climate that mm -hmm. for six months of the year, I used to see women in their pajamas at seven o'clock in the morning, you know, with their plastic bags in the snow. And I'm like, are these people mad, you know? <laughs> and also I was traveling a lot. And I, I think even though they say that um, having a pet is incredible for stress levels, I think on the other yeah. side, that would have caused me more stress. I would have walked in mm. from, you know, the set like you, you know, after a long day's shooting, and it was like, who hasn't fed the dog? Who hasn't, you know, please take the dog out for a walk. <laughs> that would have caused, yeah. it was just more work. On, and and my, my, um, my challenge was obviously at all the spare time I had not working was for the children and of the course. marriage. And, and so that would have just taken more strain. But, you know, everybody to themselves, everybody to themselves. But they say here, if I can, so I, I looked a lot of stuff up and there is so much research. Studies have repeatedly said that people's good mood increases and bad mood decreases around pets. And so we know that their immediate short-term benefits, psychological and physiological with interacting with pets 
Um, but again, it depends on you. But there's a lot about cardio. So they did a huge mm. test with 4 million people in the United wow. States, Canada, Scandinavia, New Zealand, Australia, and the, and the UK, that they found that dog ownership um, basically reduced all different types of ways of dying of disease, uh, 24%, but 32% in cardiovascular disease. Now, and then, of right. course, there's always a flip side to it. Is it because the pet takes that stress away or is it because of the lifestyle of having, say, a dog where you have to go for walks? And, and I think yeah. in my case, you know, one of the reasons we decided to get another border collie, which I don't recommend if you live in a flat or an apartment somewhere. They need a lot of space. You need a lot of space yeah. and land, not just going to the park or you're going to be going four or five times a day and you'll have an unhappy dog and you'll have problems. But we have land, but it does make us walk. So like at seven o'clock at night or eight o'clock at night, you've had supper where it's just so easy to turn on Netflix. So last night we said, yes. you know, we haven't watched anything for so long, why don't we try? We watched 10 minutes and it was like, oh, forget it. You know, he was chewing my sandals. He was doing this. We, <laughs> let's take him out. So we, so we yeah. forget it. And we were in bed at 9.30. You know, so, so there's two kind of flips to that. But I do think terribly true is the fact that if you are stressed when you're stroking a dog or a cat, mm -hmm. not in my case, but a dog, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can feel the endorphins coming in, you know, a dog, oh, yes. a puppy, especially, you know, everybody loves puppies, lies yeah. on its back. It's got this lovely tummy that's so smooth and little, little, little spots, you know, little dimples. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's like a newborn baby. I know. I love petting a dog. It's been a very long time since I've um, stroked a pussy, uh, <laughs> but I love petting dogs. <laughs> right. You can all tune out now. Um, well, what did you send me yesterday? It made me laugh. Oh, what was that? Oh, Mrs. Slocum. I sent you a little clip on Instagram. Uh, are you being served? Oh my God. And Mrs. Slocum was the absolute reigning queen and all time champion of the Dublantonde using the word pussy. <laughs> and I think she said, I'm sorry I'm late because it takes place in a retail store, in a department store. And she said, she was late for work and she said, I'm so sorry I'm late. It was raining. I got caught in the rain. And then, of course, my pussy got wet. <laughs> And I had to dry it off with the hair dryer. <laughs> I mean, it's so stupid. We think this so day and age you can't say those jokes, but but that show was so brilliant. It was so brilliant because it was oh, so before yeah. its time, and it really. I mean, oh, of course, yeah. today probably gay people might be insulted by it, but it was a softer time where it actually was oh, great. Yeah. It was a great gay character. Yeah. I think Mrs. Slocum's pussy was probably the most famous fictional pet in British history. I, I think yeah. so. I think so. And I hope they leave it alone because it's still playing, I think, on PBS. But, you know, they're oh, redoing. Yeah. I know we're supposed to be talking about tets, uh, pets, but I just read yesterday they're re-editing uh, Faulty Towers because, oh. the, because you, know, you know, he made all these jokes about the war. It's so politically incorrect. They're going to ruin it. But, you know, if we can't laugh at that stuff... You know, and, and I oh, think yeah. they were so harmless, those shows. Oh, anyway, yeah. back to Tommy's pussy. Go on. <laughs> so we had, when my, when my parents first got married, so the, one of the first pets in our household was a black cat whose name was Kitty. And she was a barn cat that was rescued out of one of my great-grandfather's um, horse barns. 
And my Aunt Mary showed up one day at my parents' home with this cat and threw it inside the house and said, there, now you've got a pet, you're a family. And it was before I was born. <laughs> you don't need to tell so me. So my parents <laughs> you gotta- didn't want this cat. And so they just didn't even really bother giving her a real name. So they just called her Kitty. And we had this cat until, you know, my sister and I were in our teens, I guess, in our early teens or something. Um, because she was just always there. And, you know, it was one of those things where growing up with pets, like my mother always railed against new pets. For my fifth birthday, I got a dog and his name was Shannon. Uh, and he was an Irish setter and this beautiful creature, a wonderful, wonderful dog. And my mother was livid that my father had bought this dog and brought it home. And she was so angry about it. And she stewed and futzed for days about it. And then she fell in love with this dog, which is what always happens when one parent doesn't want one and the other one does. As soon as that pet comes into the house, the love is so automatic and it adds so much to the enjoyment of the household and you know all the chaos that comes with it and all the fun and all the crazy you know funny things that they do and the and everything from you know like the snoring and the farting to the snuggling and the cuddling and all the things that dogs do that are so amazing. See, I don't need a dog. I've got a husband who does all that. But, um, but, <laughs> but you know, when, when we took Billy, um, the breeder had called us. He's, a, he's an exceptional guy. And I've, I've told you this story before, but um, when we got Alfie, which was, you know, two years ago, which was the first one who died, I had a million questions. You know, he's he eaten uh, wild boar poo. He's done this, he's done that. So he's on. He's also his main job. This breeder, who who is the kindest man. I mean, it's, it's the man you would want to have your dog start their life with. Is an air traffic yeah. controller at Rome Airport. Mm. Very stressful job. Very stressful job. So he has twelve border collies, and and one of the males, which is called Connor, has had. Eight, he's only two and a half, three. He's had eighty five puppies. Wow. His sperm. Yes. Um, obviously, he's many different... I think the technical term is sired. Sired, okay. He's sired right. 85 puppies. Yeah. <laughs> his bits. So you're right, a very stressful job. But I would be calling him 20 times a day going, Fabrizio, you know, I've got another problem. You know, he's just eaten this. What do I do? And he'd say this. He'd say... Um, just one minute, Debbie. I'm at work. Hang on a second. Delta 342 landing on runway five. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, tell me what he's eating now. <laughs> you know, okay, United <laughs> landing on, you know. So if you ever hear of a terrible crash at Rome Airport, it's my fault. But I think, yeah, you're right. He probably has these dogs. It's more of a hobby for him. But they show them because Border Collies are either really the agility farming dogs or they're the, the, the show boarders who have this beautiful white chest and a very pretty face. And and Billy is from that breed. And, you know, if we ever got it together, we could maybe show him because, you know, he's very cute. Well, that's a big conversation too, Debbie, is the, the idea of breeder dogs versus rescue dogs. And, you know, it's important for people who are listening to understand that, you know, there are responsible breeders in, in the world. Um and that culture is also fraught with very bad practices. Absolutely. Well, look, it's like anything. In fact, today in the newspaper in Italy, if you drop a dog off from your car, 
yeah. leave it at the side of the road, you will lose your driving license. If you're caught, you'll lose your driving license. I think that's 100% appropriate. So you, basically, you're dumping a dog. And after COVID, so many people are doing this worldwide. There's no particular yes. country. But you're right. And I think it's about, I researched before we got Alfie for a long, long time. Because, yeah. you know, we're not spring chickens. But on the other hand, you know, we're not tied to a nine to five job and leaving a dog alone. I like the right. breed because they're very gentle and warm. And so because we have a lot of women here, you know, I really looked into it. And then there's the, all the hypoallergic dogs. But there's also these dogs. One of the things that you have to be a bit careful of doing your research, if you're going for a breed, a pedigree, you know, they're playing around with breeds now. You know, the, yes. the cockadoodle, the poodle doodle, the rudel doodle, you know, you have to be a bit careful yeah. because they're overbreeding. So a rescue dog, of course, and, and I have a friend here who has two of the cutest rescue dogs, but I also have yeah. friends who've had serious problems and then have had to take the dog back. So, um, yes. you know, you can't always win. And sometimes people get a second dog to keep the first dog mm -hmm. company. You have to, you know, um, I was listening to Graham Norton talking and his dog was lonely. So he got a second dog, but the, he mm -hmm. went to a dog It's like speed dating, <laughs> speed yes. dating for dogs. So, and he said it was amazing because some of them, and if you could see what I'm seeing now, I'm locked inside. And of course, Hans does a terrible job. And this dog's just pressed up at the window looking at me. But he did a speed dating of, to find a, a, a friend for his dog that he could yes. adopt at, at a pound. Like a rescue at a rescue shelter. A couple of the dogs they got, they tried this speed dating and they didn't get on. They really, yeah. you know, they sniff their bums. That's why they do it. Yeah, like people, like people. And then suddenly you get a dog and they're best friends. And, and I think you have to be both on board, like anything, like moving to another country. Yes. If you're not as a partnership, if you have a partner on board for this, mm -hmm. um, it's going to end in tears. And if you don't have the lifestyle that accommodates the needs of a pet, you know, pets need, as we mentioned earlier, regular exercise, routine the proper food and diet. You know, Ruby, my lab, my last dog, she never ate dog food. We only ever fed her human food. And, you know, she had a certain thing that we called her classic dinner, which was a combination of oats and sardines Ooh. and broccoli and lentils and a little bit of like um, an oil and vinegar salad dressing to flavor it up. I mean, it was disgusting and vile to look at, but she loved it. And that was kind of the basis for her diet. And then every once in a while, if I was out in a restaurant and I had good clean food, you know, like a lovely salad or something like that, we would serve that to give her the leftovers yeah. from that. And that's, that brings in cost as well. Yes. We've got more to say on that. Be right back. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca.
as you know, it is not cheap to have it. I didn't, I used to think people were just, you know, Jackie has a dog, she has a, a working cocker. And <laughs> I think I slept with him once, <laughs> not the dog. Um, but she does a lot of research into dog food. And there's actually an amazing website where it grades all dog food and mm-hmm. cat food, whether it's the, the normal stuff in the supermarket, right down to all this fancy stuff. And it grades like 90, you're getting 98% of all the vitamins needed. You're getting this, you're getting this. It's a very, very good site. And we'll put it up later. And then when we started down this road, it's everything costs. And yet you yes. get insurance. And insurance for us, it's not so bad in Italy. But if we go to England and they knock somebody off a bike. Yeah, it's veterinary insurance and also accidental insurance. Yes, of course. Absolutely. So you have to look yeah. at all that, the pet stuff, the vaccines, all that, just for us to get on the train back to the UK. Doggy dental. It's way more expensive for the dog than for us. And then the normal food, you know, and toys yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So you have to weigh all that up. So you have to weigh up your lifestyle and what type of dog. But then I found all this great research about things like children with ADHD Sometimes it backfires, but they found that children with ADHD who read uh, to their animals, who actually Ah. read to their animals, show improvement in their own cooperation and behavioral problems. That's amazing. Even if it's a stuffed animal, they say it helps. Yeah. But also I think for children, if the children can have the responsibility, I think that's a very good thing for kids. Oh, and I know for a fact that growing up, my sister and I, you know, developed skills that involved empathy, caring for other living things, responsibilities, accountability, all based on our, you know, maintenance and care for our pets. You don't have really other responsibilities when you're a kid. That was our job when we were kids was taking care of our pets, making sure the cat was fed, making sure the dog was walked, making sure that somebody went into the backyard and and picked up all the dog poo and disposed of it and all of those unpleasant things that also come with dog relationships. While you were talking about those stats, I think, you know, I always had dogs growing up that were from breeders because we didn't really know about rescues when I was a kid and we didn't know any different. As I said to you, I want to wait until a bit later in life because I'm still experiencing the pain and the hurt of losing Ruby. But I think when I do do that, there'll be something interesting about I'm going the rescue route because I hadn't done it before. And, you know, had wonderful breeder experiences. My two boxers, Duke and Doris, were so precious to me, especially Doris. Doris was here for a good time, not a long time. She had a disorder, a kidney disorder that was undetectable. And we didn't, you know, the breeder couldn't have known about it and we couldn't have known about it. But we spent an absolute king's ransom on making sure that she was comfortable and alive for as long as possible. But this dog was so special. And when we went to pick her up, you know, of course, if you are going to go the breeder route, you have to make sure that you visit the facility, that you make sure that these dogs are cared for. And the breeder that Doris came from had the dogs in the house with them. They weren't kept in kennels. Oh yeah, It was a really lovely environment. And, you know, we went there to meet Doris. And, you know, I wanted her to have an old lady name because I thought she had kind of a jowly old lady face. (laughs) So that's why we named her Doris. But before we met her, the breeder interviewed us at the kitchen table to make sure that everybody was on board with this and that we were appropriate, you know, custodians of this creature that we were about to select from a litter of puppies. And she said, I'll take you downstairs to where they're all playing in the basement together. 
And I have one particular female in mind that I'd like to you to have a look at. And so we all went over to the top of the stairs and there was a door to the basement stairs and she opened the door and she went like this. <gasps> and I said, what is wrong? And she said, nothing. She said, look. And we looked down the stairs and right at the bottom of the stairs was one little dog. She turned to me and she said, that's the dog that I wanted you to meet. And she's there waiting for you. And then we got to the bottom of the stairs and there was a massive chaos of like, you know, eight little puppies and two doggy parents. And they were all playing and going crazy. But this little dog had broken away from that group and sat at the bottom of the stairs. And I truly believe in my heart, waited for us and knew that we were there for her. I know that she knew it, which is crazy to say, but there was some connection that was instantaneous and immediate. Yeah, I think, I mean, Instagram is wild with dog stuff, but there's definitely something there about a soul. And very often, like you said, that dog picked you. (laughs) Probably because you're old and jowling. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she looked like an old woman. She just looked like an old woman. (laughs) And I thought, what are some old lady names? And Doris. When we went to Rome two months ago to get Billy, same breeder, and it's two and a half hours drive from here from in Tuscany to Rome and I talked the entire way what if this we can't do this we won't be able to go that that you wanted to go to Vietnam we're not going to Vietnam and you know Hans who just cuts off like most blokes finally said look we'll know when we get there and if it's not right we just turn around and we come home and I think that's very good to keep in mind yeah and we did the same thing these dogs live in his house we went in the basement And they had this uh, pen, you know, like a children's playpen. And there were five. And what's interesting about Border Collies is they all, all the puppies have different markings. So some are half and half. So one side is white, one side of the face is black. The others have what looks like two black patches on their eyes. And they were all on top of each other. And there was a runt of the litter. (laughs) And his head popped up amongst the middle of this mass of what looked like pandas and he just oh walked God. towards us. Hans picked him up and said, get in the car. And that was it. <laughs> again. But I want to say, I've often talked to you about my grandmother, who was mad as a box of frogs. And, and, oh, and, yeah. I and, love um, your grandmother's stories. They're my favorite stories. <laughs> oh my God. Well, she, she didn't have much softness about her, but she did love boxes. And, you know, I told you she married many times uh, for money. Yes. And um, what else? And... Um, my mum came home. She sent my mum to boarding school at four and a half, five. Anyway, my mum came home in the Easter holidays. That's really early. <laughs> Even for British standards, that's really early. Yeah, get the bus, love. Maybe not the most maternal person, your grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, my mum had come home from school. She must have been about seven then and, and said, um, where's the dog? And it was a boxer. And they grow quite long, don't they? Long legs and stuff. She said, where, 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 yeah. where's, where's the dog? And she said, well, she said, your father was um, standing by the fireplace and um, he jumped up and he bit him. And my mum said, oh, my God. So where is the dog? She said, oh, the dog's in the garden. Your father's gone. And my mother never saw her father again. It probably wasn't even her father. But anyway, it was one way of getting rid of them. That is amazing. I know. So I think, you know, you look into their eyes. They are a soul. And again, I I do think they're very much a reflection on you. Oh, yeah. Because there's nothing worse than somebody who mistreats a dog. And we see it all the time, you know. 
Yeah. And, you know, Patrick, my partner, will always confront people who are doing that in public. And he speaks up on behalf of the animal. And I admire it so much because so many people are afraid of like confrontation with strangers. But if he sees somebody yanking on a leash or doing something that is cruel to a dog, he says something about it. Yeah. Like we should all be doing that because animals can't communicate in the same ways that we can. They don't have language skills. They're not able to tell us that they're frightened. But if you see somebody abusing an animal, speak up and say something, I think. Exactly. And I don't think there are bad dogs. I think they go bad because they've got horrible bullying. Human companions that are bad people. If it's having to wear a muzzle, something's not right, Mm. you know, and it's usually not right with the people. It's so interesting that you say that in that way, because I don't believe that there are bad dogs or bad animals. I really do, however, believe there are bad people. Yeah. And it's the, <laughs> so. look, it's the same with children, you know. It's, yeah. And, and when, um, when my children were very small, uh, something happened to us, and, and I had a big thing about children wearing helmets on bikes. Uh, little children, on toddlers, you know, on little bikes with those little wheels either side. Yeah. The one you ride now. <laughs> They're like little drunk people. <laughs> like little drunk people. But I used to go up to other mothers in the park and say, you know your child should wear a helmet. Mm. Uh, And I caught so much stick, you know, people would scream swear words at me. But, you know, I remember one little girl turning around and going, yes, mommy, my helmet's on the bench. Shouldn't I put it on? She was like, oh, she's just a nosy old barker. Don't, you know, no, I'm not because they fall at a certain angle and you'll end up with very serious stuff. But I just wanted to just go back to dogs a minute and say, um, so therapy dogs, mm. as we know, and therapy horses, all kinds of animals are used in people's homes, uh, clinics. With our retreats here in Tuscany, we have some broken birds, people going through a very hard time and they're coming yes. to get away, you know, whether it's divorce or widowhood or losing their job or not happy where they are. And, you mm. know, it's kind of what we specialize in. Um, yes. Alfie was the same and Billy's the same thing. We've done one retreat since we had Billy. And he knows immediately. You've got 18 women having breakfast and he goes to the one. And I know the stories, you know, and I know that's the woman who's in pain. Yeah. I mean, when Patrick was at the first retreat with me, I feel like he spent more time with Alfie than with us (laughs) because he was so in love with that dog. And, you know, everyone, you know, I think gains something from that kind of thing. And then, of course... This past spring, when I did the second retreat with you and Patrick was also there, he was so disappointed that we were leaving before Billy arrived. Days before. Like, he was actually mad at me. He was like, why didn't you plan this better so that I could meet the puppy? Well, we didn't know we were going to do it. I mean, you know, there was a, there was a yeah. chance we wouldn't do it. So they're even saying here, because we talk a lot about dogs, um, researchers tracked how consistently teens um, who had diabetes who need to check their blood glucose. So what they suggested is that they get a fish because a fish, did, you know, it needs, I mean, it's a fish, so it's not a lot of work. So the caretaking routine of changing the tank water, feeding the fish twice a day, right. taught them how to check their own glucose levels because they had this responsibility. It's fascinating. So there's lots, I think, of different levels you know, you always think when somebody's got a small kids and a hamster, why? What is the point? You know, or a guinea pig. Yeah. But there is a point, you know, and if you can't handle a bigger animal like a dog or a horse or a donkey or whatever, you know, have something small because it gives them that responsibility. And I think 
kids today with so much other stuff going on, you know, on their devices and things like that. You know, you can't be watching your iPad, looking at your iPad while you're feeding the hamster, hopefully. Well, I also think that as far as children go, it's really important to acknowledge that when children experience loving and caring for and being loved by a pet, it is very often in their early lives, their first experience with death. And, you know, it's very important for us as human beings to find our relationship with death and loss. And, you know, that kind of thing for kids can be very, you know, important to human development, to develop empathy, to develop sympathy, to understand how to work through grief, even as a little kid is super, super important, I think. Yeah. And I remember losing, you know, a turtle or a hamster or a fish and, you know, as a little kid being absolutely distraught. As your parents flushed it down the toilet. (laughs) Well, I mean, they didn't tell us, but I'm sure they did, you know that kind of emotion is healthy. You know, it feels painful, but pain is healthy. It's good for us to be familiar with it and experience it. Yeah, it's, it's like making mistakes. I mean, you know, yes. all anybody talks about now, you know, which I've been saying for years is, you know, it's just mistakes that make you. I, it is. You know, and, and that's it. You, you know, nobody has a perfect childhood and, and all that makeup around it, whether it's pets or families or breakups or things that don't work out, you know, is what makes you as a human being. And it's your memories. And like you, I will never, ever, ever forget that day. Never. Oh, my God. God, It's it's ingrained in you. And, you know, I think I don't get as upset when I think of (laughs) family members who've dropped. But, you know, because I don't know. I mean, and and a lot of people say that. Oh, my granddad died. I've never been as upset as when your dog died. You know, I know it's such a connection. It's a different type of connection than than a a human. It's deeply special. I'm not saying you shouldn't be upset when a human dies, but there's a different connection. And it is that thing of, well, it's only an animal. But it's just so hard to explain to people. It's, you know. It's something that you have to experience firsthand. And it's something that obviously we both hope that everyone out there can experience at some point in their lives. Yeah. And, and as I said, if I, if I was listening to this five years ago, I would have said, what a lot of drivel. <laughs> Pull yourselves together. Yeah. You know, you know, adopt a child. Much more important. <laughs> but it's all important. It's all important. It is. And I think we have to stamp out. You know, now I start looking at puppy mills and all this stuff. And I, no, now I've become interested in bad side of it. And like, what people yes. do that? And yeah, I'm it's shocked. enough to make you an activist. Yeah, because yes, it's again down to money and everything. So wh- when do you think you'll get a dog then? <laughs> Probably when I'm about 75, maybe, assuming that I'll live to be 87. So you'll you'll have a walker, (laughs) a walker with an airbag. (laughs) Um, Well, that's probably a good note to end on. Yeah. Um, Because, of course, you've got to go and walk Billy. I've got to go and walk (laughs) Billy. Well, he's he's running with his dad somewhere. Uh, But, you know, the kids... Love it, really love it. Yeah. Um, they're a little, I don't know if they're really pushed, noses pushed out. They're, they're happy because we're happy. Um, yeah. But, you know, when they ring us, I'll be like, oh, and then Billy did this and Billy did this. Oh, my God, he ate four kibbles today instead of five. And they go, Mom, you know, I, <laughs> Mom, I got the job. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But, oh, I'm going to get this plastic crocodile because I saw it on the internet. And so I missed, Mom, you know, is that. So, um, but I think your kids are happy if you're happy and, and you're keeping yourself busy, you know, not hanging yep. around their necks. But on that happy note, Tommy, I know you've got yes. a really busy day. I don't. I do. I'm done. I've got a month with nothing. 
nothing. Oh, that's so nice. Lots of parties and stuff like that, but no, no guests here. Don't rub it in. Just the, the dog and the husband. So, but it's so hot. You, it's like you can't even go out. But um, yeah, I will talk to you very soon. Yes. This was a really great conversation. Two bitches talking about dogs. <laughs> but they told me don't get a bitch because they bleach out the grass. But that's not true. Oh, God, yeah. Well, he does it as well. But he hasn't learned to cock his legs. So I'm hoping when he cocks his leg, it'll be better. But I do have patches. All right. I can see Tommy panicking. You need to get a dog for stress. I know. Because your day's about to begin. We will say goodbye. So please tell us about your pets. Send us a, a voice note or even a picture to our Instagram at the Trust Me Pod. And share any of your pet tips while Debbie learns with her puppy. Yeah, I, I need those tips. Thank you for listening with or without your pets. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.